3: For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals
0: who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.
4: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
5: to you, it's 9.04 and welcome to Mornings with Smithy, Stephen McIver in the house today and as you know whenever I come in and it's a Thursday, it's Disco Thursday so get used to it, 9.04 on a Thursday, what day are we today? 6th day of October 2022, oh it reminds me it's my son's 21st birthday tomorrow, how about that? Yeah I know, 21st birthday and where is he right now? Somewhere in Croatia on a tour. So that was his twenty-first birthday present. Let's just let's just let's just leave that one sitting there right now, shall we? Busy old morning coming. sure we have a chat to Jimmy Nish Nation. I'm going to get caught up. What well, did I promote it before? Jimmy Nation. No, it's Jimmy Nishin, uh, because the Black Caps are getting their prep underway for the T20 World Cup. Uh, their first match against Australia, October twenty. 23- Two, but they've got Pakistan and Bangladesh In a tri-series at Hagley Oval It starts tomorrow, here's hoping there's not ice On the wickets, because that'll that'll Be something Uh, Talkback time this morning Well, I'm being selfish this morning, completely and Utterly selfish I said to producer Swinks, Logan, I said look You've woken me up at 7.45 to get me in So, tonight at 8.30 On Sky Sport 1, there is a National tribute uh, to Sir Wayne Buck Shelford So I want you to start thinking, and then getting on the phone around nine thirty. What legacy for you does Sir Wayne Buck Shelford leave to rugby and New Zealand? What do you think is Buck's legacy? It's a two-hour show, eight thirty tonight on Sky Sports. I'm looking forward. I've got to say, I'm, I'm bloody nervous. I mean, it's Buck, right? And there's so many cool stories to come out. Not going to tell you any more. You're to have to watch it at 8.30 tonight. 0800 will be the number. That's 0800 Or you can text on the Tampa Bedpost text line double eight double three. Also today, uh, Swinks, the producer, yesterday spoke to Rob Lowe, the New Zealand Breakers Centre, of course. It's what, over 500 days that they've been away, Swings, the, for the breakers. I can't hear you. No, you're allowed to talk to me. Almost 500 Almost. days. Right. And so they lost the first game in overtime. So, not a great start. And the Jack Jumpers, who were in the final of the NBL last they year, were. right? Yeah, Jack a, Jumpers in their inaugural season, right? Yep. Ouch. Well, that's Spark Arena this Friday. Uh, you're going or are you calling? Are you calling? <laughs>
0: yeah, <sorry. laughs> I wish. Yeah, I wish. No, no. I, I also wish I could go to the game. Uh, oh, but I've, I have we. prior commitments. I, I'll t- <laughs> tell you about it later it's a cool thing I'll tell you about it later <laughs> the pan-
5: <laughs> wow I'll tell you about it later Stephen okay uh, the panel this morning with Andrew Gordy and Ross Carl one of the subjects that will pop up will be RTS named on the wing for Auckland I think I think on the breakdown on the sky there was some call from just to put him where he should be I'm yeah, I'm not gonna. You're not gonna want to know what I think about the whole RTS thing, anyway. Uh, the big interview too at 11:04. Mike Stanley, the outgoing uh, NZOC president, he's been 13 years running the news. Well, but not running it, but being at the helm of the NZOC. He's seen plenty. Uh, some stories, I'm sure, coming your way at 11 after 11 this morning, and. And and uh, you'll have a chance to be stumped by me, which probably won't be too hard this morning since I'm I'm working on half energy and two coffees. But uh, that's how it works. It is nine oh seven. Uh, time to talk to Jimmy Nisham. Right. So let's just roll into this one. The Black Caps fully focused on their preps for the T Twenty World Cup. It gets underway in ten days' time. That's right, ten days in Australia too. Australia. Uh, the first match will be against uh, the Aussies themselves, October the twenty second. But this weekend. Uh, They've got that tri-series, Pakistan and Bangladesh at Hagley Oval. So uh, put your hand warmers on and get out and support the lads. That'll be something to, well, just get you excited about it. Because it'll be a lot drier, a lot warmer in Australia. Jimmy joins us right now. Hey, mate. Uh, No Mitch Santner's face in the crowd right now. Uh, Hasn't been annoying you, right?
6: (laughs) Morning, Stephen. Uh, No, not at all, actually. He's... uh He's not here yet, so um, no, he hasn't been annoying me uh, in the last couple of days, so uh, yeah, he's uh, got the first couple of games off uh, for paternal duties, so he'll join us uh, on the weekend, by okay? Oh,
5: well, prepare yourself, mate, prepare yourself. Hey, mate, uh, off the back of that ODI series, lost to he? what's the vibe around the camp right now?
6: Uh, it's good, it's fresh, you know? It's, um, you know, we had a long winter and uh, toured a lot of different countries and sort of culminated in that Australia series and... Uh, I think the lads were were sort of pretty fatigued by the end of that. So it's been great to get home for a couple of weeks and um, recharge the batteries and see family and whatnot. And, um, yeah, there's a real feeling of excitement coming to the group. It's obviously, um, you know, a series down here in Hagley over the next uh, week or so, but it is, you know, sort of the final prep for for a world tournament which always um, gets the guys up and buzzing.
5: Yeah, do, look you know what the social media question follows this, right? Why why can't New Zealand beat Australia? Do you think there is a, a mental block or is it just one of those things? Um, well, I mean they're a pretty good
6: team. Uh, <laughs> you combine, you know, in world cricket at the moment pretty good teams with playing at home it seems to be a, a pretty good recipe for, for having a pretty successful record and I think we've seen that uh, with a lot of teams that have come to our shores over the last couple of years is that they find us pretty hard to beat at home and and likewise, you know, the australia find Australia pretty hard to beat at home. So, yeah, we're not really thinking too much about that, obviously. Um, you know, it was good to get a little bit of experience in those conditions, you know, albeit slightly unusual conditions up in Cairns. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we always sort of know how we go over there at the moment No so, know we've got a bit of a taste of, of what the sort of conditions are going to be like. And, um, yeah, come uh, the Sydney game, first game of the tournament, um, I'm sure, you know, well, the ledger will be a zero zero 0 for that game, and we've got just as much chance of toppling them as, as anyone else does.
5: Yeah, of course, I can understand the excitement that, that comes around that. In terms of the Jimmy nation game, what are you looking to work on?
6: Um, yeah, for me, obviously, you know, the focus is, is very much on my shortest format now, and um, you know, I feel comfortable in my role um, for New Zealand coming out of that six or seven, and, and trying to finish things off. So for me, it's just about training as specifically as possible. Um, coming in, being aggressive from ball one, trying to, um, I suppose hunt the bowler rather than being hunted and, um, trying to put them on the back foot. So, you know, the training will all be, you know, geared towards that. There'll be, um, a few pretty big swings in the net over the next couple of days. And, um, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, the top order can, can continue to do the good job they've been doing in T20 cricket and, and sort of set the lower order up to come out and, and be aggressive. And, um, yeah, well, I think we'll see some, some pretty high scoring games over the next couple of months.
5: Is it, is it an obvious question, Jimmy, now that you're concentrating on the short form, that your training regime does change considerably?
6: Uh, I wouldn't say considerably. I, I would say um, you can probably get a little bit fatter, which, which I have done over the last <laughs> six months, you know, not having to, um, I suppose, have, uh, you know, a, a light rig to be able to withstand four days in a row in the field. You can be a bit more powerful, a bit um, heavier, so... Um, I've certainly leaned into that, and I think it has really helped um, with the power hitting side of my game. Um, yeah, you can just afford to be a bit more specific with your training. You know, spending a lot more time, you know, trying to hit yorkers and, and trying to you know scoop and ramp and those sorts of of odd shots that, that used to get you scolded by coaches in the past. You know, that sort of becomes a main part of your game. So uh, for me, it's just about trying to be as specific as possible and um, trying to be as aggressive as possible, and, and find myself in positions I can hit the ball hard from.
5: That is the best excuse I can tell my wife for putting on weight. I need, it, I need it for my power hitting. That's brilliant. Well,
6: I mean, I, I got questioned about it. And then I said, if you look at Major League Baseball, you don't see any of these you know, big hitters, uh, you know, Aaron Judges and those sorts of guys. None of them are small guys. You know, it's pretty basic physics. the heavier you are, the more power you're going to be able to put through a ball. So um, as long as you can still get around on the field and cut off twos and stuff when you need it, then, Um, yeah, as a power hitter, you certainly want to be a little bit heavier.
5: That's brilliant. Uh, Pakistan, Bangladesh in this T20 series. Now, as far as preparation goes for the Black Caps World Cup, what are they offering in in terms of a challenge in preparation?
6: Well, I mean, they're they're both, um, you know, top T20 sides in the world, and I think we've seen Pakistan especially have just taken England um, to the final game of a seven-match series, and and England will definitely be one of the favourites of the tournament, so um, there's no lack of strength in either of these sides, and um, even though if they're going to be, uh, have a, a few cold fingers and a few cold toes, um, uh, like we will over the next few days, um, they'll still put up a, a really good fight and be a real good challenge. And, um, you know, I think all three teams, um, in this tournament or the World Cup came up will be looking to certainly make the semis and, and push to win the whole trophy, whole trophy. So, um, no, there's no easy beats and it'll be a good, good hard series to, um, to give us that prep that we need
5: conditions are uh, understandably cold, not perfect as a, as a warm-up to work in, but how will you deal with these conditions if, if it is still pretty cold and dreary?
6: Uh, yeah, well, we're not um, strangers to playing in cold conditions. I think there's been a few tests down in Dunedin over the last um, couple of seasons where it's been a bit chilly, so yeah, we've got the the hand warmers out again and the thermals and that kind of thing, so I mean, it's just a case of getting on with it, basically. Um, you know, you can't really control things like the weather and the conditions and that kind of thing, so um, if anything it's gonna probably work in our favour a little bit is we can hopefully be able to handle it a little bit better than, than teams that are used to thirty five and forty. So um yeah, we're not putting too much stock into it. Just, you know, get out there, get warm and and get on with the get on with the job at hand, I guess.
5: Is there a wicket rotation at Hagley? Or is it the same wicket?
6: Uh not my job, Stephen. Don't it really doesn't bother me what happens with the wicket. Um yeah, just go out there and, you know, try and hit the ball hard and um, yeah, adapt to the service that we're presented. I think it's probably one of the benefits of of batting six or seven is that you do get to um, get the chance to have a bit of a look at it when the top order are out there first and um, sort of make your assessment off that.
5: I love T20s because you can throw different individuals in, and and they can change the way a game unfolds in the blink of an eye. Ish sodi comes back in. How big a role do you think Ish can play in this World Cup?
6: Oh, huge! I think um, you know, he's, I think he's on ninety eight or ninety nine um, T20 international wickets, so. Um, he's right up there with the top of the wicket takers that we've ever seen in this country. So I mean, think that by itself shows the pedigree that he has. Um, he had a huge role to play in the, in the teaching world cup last year and, and the ODO world cup before that in India and, and England. So, um, yeah, he's obviously a pretty experienced player for our group now. Um, missed out in Australia pretty much purely due to the conditions that we're expecting to see over there. So, um, now nah, to have him back is, is massive for us. He's a, a real popular guy in the group. And, um, even though he scratched both of his rims on the on the curb yesterday, turning up at training, I'm oh. sure they will be um, pretty keen to go.
5: Isn't that the most annoying thing, scratching your rims?
6: Yeah, yeah. It was pretty bad too. He was picking me up to to go get a coffee basically rode the, rode the side walk outside the hotel and there were about three tourists out there just watching him and <laughs> I actually felt like just walking in the other direction pretending I didn't know him, but we um, <laughs> were wearing the same kit, so I couldn't really get away with
5: it. Oh, yeah, and, and you've got to pay for those to get buffed out too. That's going Oh, that's going to cost them. What does the pace attack look like in the nets? Have you been in the nets yet?
6: No, not yet. The lads all assembled last night. Um, so, yeah, Melanie and Lockie were in my van out here this morning. I was being nice to them, offering to buy them coffees and stuff, so hopefully they're uh, in a good mood come and start a training but um, no it's really exciting to have um, the sort of pace attack that we have at the moment also um, now kind of filling in for the first few games as well so um, there's no shortage of uh, kilometres an hour in the net and I think it'll be good for us to be able to prepare against um, that kind of bowling because I think if you look at Pakistan especially they've got a few species of their own for this series so um, there's going to be a bit of pace around in the games and hopefully we can come out on top.
5: Do you genuinely get excited? A playing on Aussie pitches and B playing in Australia against the Aussies. Yeah, definitely.
6: I think um, anywhere you can play in, in front of great crowds, um, you know, on good wickets, good cricket wickets against the best in the world, you've got to be excited. I think um, you know, especially with the World Cup in Australia. I think you know, we've seen over the last couple of years with COVID bubbles and and that sort of thing that you know, long tours have actually become you know a lot more of a chore than they used to be uh, when you're touring normally. So. You know, for us to be back out in the, in the big wide world again and able to play games in front of crowds and go down and have coffees and, and that sort of thing in, in public, it's an exciting prospect for everyone, really. Um, you know, Australia is probably one of the best places in the world to tour along with England. So the guys are really excited to get over there and get going and um, put a strongest foot forward on the park.
5: You know it's the media's job to try and break down how, why, what, when and how a team can, can win a World Cup. From where you sit, and please don't throw that, well, we are just going to win every match, where do you think the key is to winning a World Cup? Um, well,
6: I mean, it probably leans into my game a little bit, but I think just being aggressive. I think uh, potentially in Australia we're a little bit passive at times with the bat and, and sort of let, let them bowl to us a bit. And I think, you know, we have the power to the top of our game. There's no shortage of guys that can clear the rope. And I think if we can come out, put our strongest foot forward and be aggressive from the very start, um, then we can give ourselves a chance to, you know, get those above-par totals and, and restrict teams within the field that we know we can do um, over the last couple of world tournaments. So uh, I think it's just about going out with confidence and, and trying to take teams head on and, um, yeah, not take a step. What would it mean to win the World Cup? Oh, it would be um, fantastic, obviously. Uh, you know, we got a taste of the World Test Championship um, last year. Um, There's a huge number of guys in our white ball group who weren't there to experience that. So, you know, for a couple of guys we've got. Um, a couple of second place finishes in the last couple of world tournaments which obviously stings um, you know it's an indication that you're you're playing good cricket but at the end of the day you, you either win the trophy or you don't so uh, no we've got a huge amount of hunger in the group um, to go one better and um, yeah I know we've certainly got the
5: quality to do that as well Alright mate I appreciate your time I know you guys are busy doing lots of media lots of prep better go uh, buy a coffee and find a place to get those rims sorted No for sure thanks mate Jimmy Nesham joining us this morning on Mornings with Smithy. Stephen McIver in the house till midday today. Uh, just a to reminder about the squad, the T20 squad for the World Cup. Kane Williamson, the skipper, Tim Southey, Ish Sodi Mitchell Santner, Glenn Phillips, Jimmy Nesham, who you just heard, Daryl Mitchell, Adam Milne, Martin Guptill, Lockie Ferguson, Devin Conway, Mark Chapman, Michael Bracewell, Trent Bolt and Finn Alan. So that'll be a lot to look forward to. Won't it? big heading smile. I love. I love the short format. I'll be blunt with you. I love the short format of cricket. Did I say love, Logan? Did I? Actually, did the word love come out of
0: my mouth? You did. You must be in a, a good <laughs> mood after I woke you up at quarter to eight this morning.
5: <laughs> did I say love the short? For, well, you know, I'm not a. I'm not a purist, and that's why people hate sometimes. But when you say you're not a purist, because they don't, they don't think that you're actually you. You care about the game. But I like the short form. I'm like you know I'm a, I'm one of these to like a like a warrior supporter that you know comes along and loves them when they're winning. Yeah. You know, you jump in and you jump out. But sometimes when you when you see the short form, and, and I think we just that's who we are at the moment. That, you know, bang bang bang, eleven. And someone like Jimmy Nisha, man, and he can crack. I tell you, on the one I really want to see get, get going is Martin Guptil or as his wife calls him Guppy, uh, because I think he's been pretty everage.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean that's fair, and you know. Martin Guptill coming into his fourth T uh, Twenty World Cup. Like, okay, let's play the let's play the old guy card then. Straight up, shall we? <laughs> well, I'm surprised it didn't come up in the interview. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot, there is a lot of pressure on on mm. uh, Martin Guptill in this World Cup to perform. Obviously, there's been question marks around is he the right guy now to open the batting, or should we take a look at some of these other guys? You know, we've got younger guys coming through now. Mm. Should we be giving them a chance? And this might be his last chance to sort of really. Uh, to yeah. take it, you
5: know? All righty. This is Mornings with Stephen this morning. It's 20 past nine. Now, in talkback this morning, we're going to talk about Buck Shelford uh, because Buck Shelford on Sky Sport tonight, A30 on Sky Sport 1, there's a tribute, a national tribute to Buck Shelford, which is all about celebrating inspirational New Zealanders. And I want to know from you, what do you think Buck Shelford's legacy is? Not just to the game of rugby, but also... Just to this country because as we know he suffered through a form of cancer and has bounced back through it and then put a lot more time into the health and health and welfare segment of society. So O eight hundred one five oh eight eleven will be the number. That's O eight hundred one five O eight eleven. You can get on the text line, uh, the Temper Bedpost text line on double eight double three. Stay with us on Mornings with Smithy. This is mornings with Ian Smith on NZNZ. Nine twenty six with Stephen MacIver. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven after nine thirty, which is our talkback subject about the impact and legacy that is left by Sir Wayne Buck Shelford. Graham in Christchurch has already got thoughts about that, so we'll take an early call. Morning, Graham. Oh, good day, Stephen. How are you? Yeah, mate, I'm good. I've, I'm firing up <coughs> on two coffees in successively, so I should be fine till midday, and then I should just stop.
7: Oh, yeah, I know. You know, you overdose on that stuff. But uh, calling from subtropical Christchurch, it's oh. the snow stop. but it's very the cold wind's like a knife through it. Yeah. H-
5: how much snow is there?
7: Oh, it's not much. I mean, yeah, it was a bit. It's it's melted, you know, on ground level a okay. lot of it. But uh, just on the top of roofs and cars this morning when I was running, I noticed it, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What happened to
5: spring? What happened to spring?
7: Oh, we had a, Well, yeah. Hopefully it comes back again yeah it's by tomorrow yeah so that's the way it is yeah, yeah. it's got the weather's got crazier as the years go by but you know on Buck Shelford yeah I met him two or three times and you know a fantastic guy and um yeah you know, I just respect him so much you know I was gutted when he got dropped in 1990 you know without bringing all that up and you know as all black captain but you know he just he, he did epitomise a certain amount of unity in New Zealand and and, you know, he, he came to, you know, it was sort of like he was us. And, you know, I mean, not just the Harker, but <laughs> that no one will do the Harker ever in the history of New Zealand rugby better than Buck Shelford. Wow. Doesn't matter how um, choreographed it is now. And, I mean, what they do very well. But, I mean, what he's done for men's health and, you know, he, he continues, you know, and he looks great now. So... And it's great that he got through that battle that he had, you know. With, you know, lim- with, with lymphoma.
5: Caught. With lymphoma, yeah, yeah.
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, being, it can go one way or another. And, you know, so other people like poor Martin Crow, I think, was the same type of cancer, you know. But, um, but, but, but Buck seems to be in the clear. And that's great because, you know, long live Buck, you know, just a, a great man. I loved him playing for North Harbour and, and all that, you know.
5: I mean. I, I'm interested, Graham, when you use the word unity and you, yep. and he used the word unity and there's an amazing photo of him at his investiture uh from with and being knighted by Dame Cindy Kiro. Yeah. And, and he's wearing a kilt and the beautiful korowai cloak. And for me that yep. and you said, you know, he and they used the word unity and I'm going, yeah, you're right. He he's happy with who he is. There is no there's no separatist separatist argument here. He he is Maori and he is Scottish. His mum was Scottish.
7: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I'm part Scottish, probably like MacIver or like you are. Oh, I'm Irish. Uh, no that's doubt. Irish. I'm
5: Irish, mate. Settle, settle down.
7: <laughs> I'm Scottish and Irish. <laughs> so, yeah, Irish on my mother's side, Scottish yeah. on dad. You know, orange and the green. You know, but um, yeah, no. Um, but yeah, no. Well, that, that that's what Buck was always about. You know, I remember early on he was questioned about things. You know, that had been controversial on a, on a matter of you know about race relations, and he always mm. said, "Well, I, I'm both." You know, and I you know, and he and he's been a great promoter of Murray culture and language, you know, and, in in recent years and, you know, he's proud of that, but the fact he wore that kilt, uh, you know, it it is investiture, you know, says it all. And I, I think that you know, that unifying factor that he had with with everybody, you know, and I mean a lot of there's a lot of other people around in sport that have done that, but um yeah. <clears throat> Buck Shevard and you know, you know, he's almost unique but he's just such a yeah, and he, he holds a place, I mean, he, every now and again you, it plays in people's hearts and every now and again you see the bring back buck, oh sort of stopped now, 30 years, 32 years later, but uh remember for years afterwards it was sort of tongue in cheek, but people meant it, oh bring back buck at different cricket games and rugby games around the country and yeah.
5: No, oh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned that. Make sure you watch the show at 8:30 tonight on Sky Sport One, mate. I think no, you'll, I'll be
7: watching it. I, definitely. I,
5: I, I think you'll enjoy it. And thanks for the call, pal. Uh, there's Graham from Christchurch. So after 9:30, tell me your memories of Buck Shelfer. What you, what legacy you think that Buck gave to New Zealand rugby, but has given to New Zealand at all? It's half past nine.
8: Talk Back time with Smithy, brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's 50 dollars like chemistry warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811.
5: 9.32, and the subject this morning is Buck Shelford. It's interesting to note, a huge, huge North Shore man, and also obviously inaugural at North Harbour, when North Harbour came into being, and North Harbour play Auckland in the Battle of the Bridge. Yeah, let's rem- let's remind people, the Battle of the Bridge in a quarterfinal on the NPC. But what I want to know from you today, Wayne Buck Shelford, what do you remember about him? What stories do you have about him? What, what makes you feel good about Buck Shelford? What legacy do you think Buck has left to New Zealand rugby, right? Tonight on Sky Sport 1 at 8.30, a national tribute. And when we say national tribute, it's about celebrating inspirational New Zealanders. There was one done, I think, two years ago. Was it two years ago for Sir John Kerwin. And he will be there tonight, Sir John, as part of the show. But Buck Shelford, you know, and and, and Graham from Christchurch brought it up. You know, the, the whole bring back Buck thing was amazing when he was dropped in 1990. And then suddenly signs started popping up everywhere. But they didn't just pop up at rugby matches. They popped up at all sorts of places around the world, you know. Uh, Olympics, Commonwealth Games, uh, someone's even said they were at a baseball game once and sort of bring back Buck's sign, Kiwis living in, living in America, so oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. that's 800 What legacy do you think and what memories do you have of Buck Shelford, Right. I shouldn't say memories because people think he's passed, right? I, I saw a text, I saw a, a social media post saying, "Oh, didn't know he'd passed." No, he hasn't passed. It's just about that we're celebrating him, <laughs> celebrating him tonight. So, oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. And and something that Swinks has brought up. We're going to talk about in the panel, but maybe if you want to talk about this, you know, should RTS be playing for the All Blacks? Should RTS be playing for the All Blacks? Since we've got a similar sort of All Black theme going on. Should RTS be playing for the All Blacks? Uh, hmm. And and how long? And I'm going to I'm going to use the word I shouldn't use, but I'm going to use it. How long does the experiment go on? Considering at 29 years of age, there are other more mature rugby players out there that can simply slot back into the position. And where is the best? And where is the best position for him? Give us your thoughts. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Uh, just a reminder, too, that the Black Ferns have named their first team for the Women's Rugby World Cup. Big, big triple header. I mean, I looked at this and went, value for money ticket? Wow, OK, let's do this. Three matches culminating on Saturday night at the Garden of Eden with New Zealand against Australia, who they've pumped constantly. And we'd like to think they get that perfect start. Interesting reading an article by the director of women's rugby now, uh, Wayne Smith, saying they'll give it a good crack. He wants to play fast rugby, fast and furious rugby. But he knows also that the English and the French have been professional, fully professional for three years now. And he's a little bit nervous about that. And he's open about it, too. And I think what Wayne Smith is doing is tempering expectations, tempering expectations about what we can expect. So the team as is, and look, just just before you even start the team, there's some unavailable for injury. Alana Bremner, Tanya Kalonovale, Aisha Letilinga, and Kennedy Simon. So the team they've named to start, Philippa Love, Luke Connor, Amy Rule, Joanna Ngung Wu, Chelsea Bremner, Charmaine McManaman, Sarah Hedony, Leanne Makaily-Tuu, Kendra Coxedge, Edge, Heidema, Skipper, Portia Woodman, Amy Duplessis, Stacey Flula, Ruby Tui and Rene Holmes. And of course, they've got their bench as well. So that's just something to think about. But Buck Shelford, when you think about Buck Shelford, when, when doing some homework for this You know, because we look at Buckshelf and we think he's a a hard man. He's a a hard man. And normally in in the days of the 80s and 90s, a hard man would also like to throw one if it got dirty, you know, and and got in there. But it it was interesting to note uh, when doing some homework for the show tonight is that he doesn't like, Wayne Buckshelf doesn't like fighting. He's not a fighter. He's a lover, not a fighter. I know that's an awful cliche to use, but that's how it rolls. So if you've got thoughts on Buck, then 0800-150811. That's 0800-150811. Have you ever met Buck? And have you ever... What impressed you when you met him? He's the sort of guy for me that you walk in a room, you probably stop a conversation. You go, oh, look, there's Buck Shelford. Now, Swinks, you're probably... Well, you are probably too young to... Are you too young to remember Buck Shelford?
0: Uh, I wouldn't say I'm quite there I do remember him sort of playing you know the All Blacks and North Harbour I'm um, actually maybe not playing for North Harbour but mm. I remember being a big ambassador for North Harbour mm. rugby when when I was growing up and you know are I'm you just, a shore boy
5: uh, I know, well, no, I, 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 grew up in, I grew up in Tauranga. I,
0: I knew there was a problem.
5: I, You're living on the shore, right?
0: I, no, I don't. Uh, I grew up in Tauranga, <laughs> but I guess my family, yes, uh, sort of, there's a long history there at Runga Toto College, but anyway, oh, wow. move, okay. moving along. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I had an affinity with uh, North Harbour Rugby for a while there before I switched allegiances to, uh, you know, Bay Plenty, the Bay Steamers. yeah. Uh, and yeah, I just remember him being such a legend and the fact that he's always been so well respected and that's never changed, right? And I mean, that, so, that in itself is a legacy because so, 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 here's so the question, many things can happen so here, in someone's life. Here's the question though, How old are you? I'm 36. I, oh, I, oh, are you? Are you really? <laughs> yeah, I must have some kind of anti-aging cream. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Can I have some of that? That's fantastic. <laughs> but when you call,
5: see, I'm always very mindful when you throw out the word legend, right? So, what is it that you know about Bach and what he's done that suggests he is a legend? I in, mean, in your mind, this
0: is a, this is purely personal. In my mind, the unbeaten record as an All Blacks captain. Yes, they you know they would have played less games back then. Mm-hmm. You think about that now. If you sort of put that in today's game. I mean, it's so highly respected, and like you said. He just walks into a room, he will command that room. He doesn't have to say anything. People just love and respect him through the ages, through the game, and he's done so much for it beyond his playing days. Mm, yeah. That, you know, people just look up to him for that.
5: Wow. Okay. Oh eight hundred one five oh wait, O eight hundred one five oh eight. Are you like swinks and do you do you think the same way about Buck Shelford oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. The other one too is, and I know that this has actually been this has actually been a, a subject that we've sort of not gone on about here on SCNZ, but we've, it's been great fodder f- uh, for for chat. And that, is, of course, is RTS. Do you do you think Swinks <laughs> – Yeah, well, you are asking me, so I am throwing you under the bus. Do you think because there was that that just ahead of the NRL grandfathers is that. That sort of tweet that oh Artis is going back to uh, the Roosters. There's some there's a contract on the table. Then he came out on his own social media <laughs> and said, which I found interesting, "I'm signed to the end of 23." Mm. But they didn't say any further. He said, "I'm signed to the end of 23," and so I'm I'm deep diving on the read on that one. I'm here till 2023. Do you think Roger tuivasa has put a a timeline? on how long he tries to become a regular All Black and then flicks back to I, Rugby League. I think he has
0: to. I mean, beyond this World... If if he doesn't make the World Cup squad, what's the point beyond that? You know, he, he sort of made that shift. Of course, yeah, you would love to win a World Cup with the All Blacks. If that's a dream that you've had, great. But if you're not making that World Cup squad, you've got to be realistic about it, especially, you know at the time in his career now i mean he might have a few good more years left in him but is he now wasting those years by as you call it you know the experiment i think i mean that's an apt word to use well, in we, this well, kind of well it's, it's
5: it's an easy word to use because 9 times out of 10 when you see someone switch a code of which they are not natural at aka sir jk when he became a warrior that was some Mark Carter was definitely an experiment that didn't really work, if you remember that. Uh, but J.K. was an interesting experiment to see mm. if he could do it. He did okay, looked, but didn't look right in a Warriors jersey. <laughs> and, and I just remember him, that whole upward running style. You know, that whole uh, that upward, holding the ball high. He Personally, just, I thought look that he met. looked great in a, in a Warriors jersey. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm just just mindful that I think there is so much talent, so much rugby talent out there that they don't need to start looking further afield to rugby league talent. Interesting, interesting story. Talking to Beave about this one, we talked about an individual uh, who played in the grand final. Actually, well, the, the individual will, be, will name remain unnamed, but went to have a crack at Japanese rugby and he, with a with a team that um, Beave was involved. In. He couldn't pass. He was, it was a joke. Couldn't pass. So Beeves a great believer that rugby league backs at least don't know how to pass. At least both ways, anyway. Maybe one way, but not both ways. Yeah, that- yeah. And I find that quite fascinating. I thought, oh, come on, babe, you're just getting stuck in. He says, no, no. He said it became a running joke that the guy couldn't pass. And, you know, rugby union is like any other game like rugby league. You need to be able to pass both ways. And he couldn't pass.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting fault that you <laughs> that you would definitely want to address. It's kind of like if you could only turn one way but not the other. Well, you see, because rugby league has
5: turned to this game of year the left or right-sided player, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you it's very rare that you get a player that can flick both ways. Very rare. Anywho, 0800 150811. 0800 150811. What memories do you have of Buck Shelford and what joy has he given to you of the game? That's 0800 150811.
4: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on NZ.
5: Much. you get the of me Probably today you have
3: Just snap your fingers I'm walking Like a dog
5: hanging on your lead. 9.49, this is Mornings with Smithy Stephen, look over in the, your place till uh, midday today Jeff's on the line Hey Jeff, how are you bud?
9: Yeah, good morning Stephen uh, What's your office like? But it's probably about twenty-two degrees. It's
10: about uh, uh,
5: no, well, actually, one or actually three well, in my office, I, I turned the I turned the heater off in here because sometimes it can be like a, a sauna. What's it like in Cromwell? Beautiful part of the world.
9: Well, it's snowing again. It's the second day of snow, and uh, it's uh, laying on it's thick on the hills. And uh, ah, beautiful. It's it's uh, yeah, pretty stunning, really.
5: What's on um, your mind? Is it about I, Buck?
9: Well, Buck and RTS. Well, yep. I mean, duck's all Buck's always been one of those good hard bastards, you know. I mean, I, well, I'm in that sort of uh, baby boomer. Where I'm lucky enough to grow up with, you know. I just remember, like some Meads and Lahore and those guys, mm-hmm. and Max Shaw. Yeah, but Buck's up there. Just he's uncompromising. He leads from the front, you know. And um, you know, follow me, boys. You know, I, I
5: it's what you expect of a captain though right of your blacks i mean if you're going to be a captain lead you lead you are a leader right so you lead by example do you do you think that still survives in the modern era
9: uh well, i haven't really seen it uh, really to be honest um you know to be you know if i'm honest i just haven't seen it
3: hmm. that
9: sort of type of uh you know skipper. Uh, we need that lead, you know lead by example and um, yeah, I think we're lacking, to be honest. Alrighty, uh, I mean,
5: okay. I, know, I understand I know,
9: that. I know, so uh, yeah, you know, to me, whether he's got the leadership skills, I don't know, but, yeah, you know, and, um, but, yeah, we won't go there, but, but yeah, but, <laughs> you know, uh, you know what I want somebody to do? I was talking to Paul Ellison, I don't know if he met Paul Ellison, he does the commentary, you know, a uh, commentary down our way in the Highlanders' country, that, we organise a bus. We start off in Rimba Cargill and travel to the top of the North Island and we get a busload of like-minded buggers that are passionate, probably us old buggers, and go and visit all these icons while they're still alive. Like, I was lucky enough to call into Tikawiti there a few years ago before we lost uh, Pine Tree and took my son to meet him. And I'd just, it'd just be great to get a bus or a couple of buses and travel, go and see Sid Garn, go and see, wow. see Joe K-Karam and and John Walker, some of these sporting icons before we, you know, we could meet and greet them. Be, I'd be, love to see somebody do that. Have uh, you met Buck? Get yourself... No, I haven't, unfortunately. No, no, I haven't in person. I'd love to meet Buck. That would be... A, well, 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 There is, there is, there is,
5: there is an auction tonight. By the way, at this event, there's a trade me auction. Go bring, search, bring back, Bucky. Okay, you could play golf with him in front of Botica. Just, just throw, just throwing it out there, mate. Okay, just quickly. Uh, RTS, yes or no? Yeah.
9: yeah. Well, my thoughts are, if, t- if we a situation like 2011, where Boovik was sort of dragged out of the bloody off the white bait stand um, as our third or fourth pick. You know, RTS got in the same situation where he was picked for the World Cup final or semi-final, you know, because everyone else got injured or hurt. Can play as a, as a twelve or a winger? Would we be comfortable with that as a, mm, no, a passionate All
5: supporter? No, that's that's fair, mate. I appreciate the time. Go warm, hey, go get those hand warmers on, as always. Uh, thanks, thanks for calling, mate. It's 150811, Anything you want to talk about this morning? By the way, just get on the blower or the Timberbed Post text line double eight double three. I would rather chat to you today because it's you know it's good fun. It's uh, nine fifty two.
4: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ACNZ. 9.58
5: 58 on the Thursday morning. Yes, it is Disco Thursday whenever I'm around. It's just, that's the way it's going to be. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Have you got thoughts on anything that's happening in the sporting world today, tomorrow or whenever? Women's Rugby World Cup starting this weekend. Cracking triple header at Eden Park. Something to look forward to. Black Caps playing a tri-series at Hagley Oval. Breakers are back in town up against the Jet Jumpers, Grand Finalists, tomorrow night at Spark Arena. How good does it get? Oh, and I'm watching the start of Bathurst as well. Two o'clock, Supercars practice number one. My good mate Murph. Murph and Richie stand away in the Airbus 51 car and it's wet. And I know Murph was a little bit anxious about that. Ooh, he was anxious about that. So a lot of work going in. So it's Bathurst weekend as well. Can the giz pick up number two who knows couple of texts in on the timber bed boast tech line double eight double three guys guys guy I'm a big fan of what RTS achieved in rugby league but I have to say I'm over everyone wanting him to get special treatment by the ABs I actually don't think he's getting special treatment because if he was getting special treatment to be playing if you know what I'm saying But he isn't good enough to play in the ABs. It'll take a couple more seasons playing super footy before he starts to reach his potential. By then he'd be 31, just as a a sidebar. In the meantime, he shouldn't be treated any differently to other players. Fair enough, too. I think it's something that he is really going to have to think about. And, you know, as as anyone says, uh, there is so much talent in rugby in this country. Why is always the question. Why did he go? And why did... New Zealand rugby jump at that opportunity is is the question. Anyway, coming your way inside the next 30, Swinks, Logan Swinkles, producer extraordinaire, talks to Rob Lowe, the New Zealand Breakers Centre. He had a chat to him yesterday. We've got the panel with Andrew Gordy and Ross Carl. Yes, Sky Television against TV3, Discovery Warner. Wow, what a panel it should be. Stick with us right here on SENZ. from
4: behind the stumps to behind the mic. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
5: and blame it on. Blame it on the boogie. It's 10.04 with Stephen McIver Inver Smithy here on SNZ Mornings on a cracking day. Although it's not so cracking in Christchurch. Just had the call that the Black Caps were training for this Tri-Series over the weekend. Uh, lads, it's too cold to train. We're training inside, so it's a little bit cold. Now, you would have heard me talk to Jimmy Nation earlier on this morning, and he talked about Mitchell Santner on parental level. Well, Mitchell's not going to play this Tri-Series, so in comes Blair Tickner, the right-arm medium from Central District. So, just a little bit of an update there uh, from the Black Caps. In just a moment, we'll talk to Rob Lowe. Well, actually, I won't be talking to Rob Lowe. We'll talk to Swinks about that. The panel coming your way with uh, Andrew Gordy and Ross Carl. And we'll just uh, remind you how we're going to spend our money for Women's Refuge on our uh, uh, harness racing pacing for purpose. So, there's a lot to come before. What time is it now? Eleven o'clock this morning, Swinks. I'm just I'm just looking at the Bathurst live pictures on Sky Sport. Five, and it's raining. Super Utes are out there at the moment, and it's raining. Oh, it looks ugly. Anyway, Swinks, uh, this is an exciting time for you because you love your basketball. And actually, I think everybody misses the breakers because we know it's such a a, a cool place to watch. Basketball, because they give you such a strong fan experience, right? They do. And I'm a little bit excited about this team this year. Don't know why. Who's the new import? Is it Barry Brown or is it Barry Brown Jr.? Barry Brown Jr. We spoke to Barry Brown Jr. on, or um, every time I think Brown's James Brown, ow, uh, and and, and uh, he's really excited. We we he actually actually knows what thongs are. i um, um, jandals are too. He said, are they like a thong? I said, well, it's the one you wear on your feet, not underneath <laughs> your trousers. So let's leave it at that. But it's an exciting time. I mean, you, you I know you can't. Well, actually, why aren't you going to the game? Uh, is this what you the story you were going to tell me?
0: Yeah. So uh, the Backyard Hockey League, which is basically the summer league in Auckland for ice hockey fans, uh, they oh. do their big fans. They, they run it basically backyard. like the pros.
5: Not, not a great sell when you call it backyard hockey. No, Got no to, there's, the, there's say. the
0: backyard and there's the front yard. And and it's all brought together by the Hockey House. is what they call themselves, <laughs> and uh, so they run it like the pros. They have a farm system. They have a fa- they have a draft. They scout their players. Is this for
5: the New Zealand Hockey League, Ice Hockey League?
0: It's no. The New Zealand Ice Hockey League's just finished their season. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so this is now con- continuing on, basically the summer league, as as it were. And so a lot of the top players get the chance to keep on playing and practicing for international. Are you going to the draft? I am going to the draft. Oh my gosh! What's your position? No, I'm not going to the draft as a player. Oh. That would be hilarious. Uh, no, I am. I'm going to be one of the guest hosts for draft night.
5: Oh, all right. So that okay. is why
0: I can't go to the breakers. How are game.
5: you doing, Mister Guest Host? <laughs> hey, how are you doing? All right. Let's 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 focus on the other thing that you love is the b-ball. Actually, before we go any further, uh, what was that, this M by the, the big seven-footer that's playing in the G League at the moment? You don't even know his name, do you?
0: Who's the what's the name of the big Yeah, boys? I haven't, I haven't uh I've seen that story yet. I know you were talking about it this morning yeah, and then you're uh, like,
5: wait wait till you take on the big boys, mate. But... yeah, but he scored like thirty-eight points. He was seven eleven from the field and like he was he was all over them. He's seven foot four. But he's a seven foot four uh, I mean, f- from a basketball perspective, a seven footer, seven plus footer that can shoot. That's a bit of a bonus, right? He's not just a stretch at the centre and, you know, a big defender, right? Offensive that's, defensive. That's
0: gold. I mean, players like that are very, very rare. So if someone like that it was that tall, that can protect the rim, but also stretch the floor out and, you know, take the long shots. You've wow. you got to take those guys.
5: Listen to you, stretch the floor. Okay. <laughs> uh, you sp- now let's just quickly get on to what we were talking about before, which is, of course, uh, the basketball, uh, 489 days. Unbelievable! That's how long it would have been since the Breakers' last step foot in the hardwood of Spark Arena. Tough, tough game too. Jack Jumpers, who were the, mm. in the inaugural season last it, it was the inaugural season last yes. year, wasn't it? It was and, a
0: great uh, fairy tale story of the NBL season last year. Well, no, it year.
5: would have been a fairy tale if they'd won.
0: I still think it was the best story of <laughs> have ever seen. <laughs> tickets. I'm <laughs> just
5: saying, come on. If it's a fair tale, you're in your first season, you win the whole thing. Anywho, tickets are still available for just $15 for kids, which is nowt. Uh Check out New Zealand Breakers. Basketball. Uh, And you spoke to Rob yesterday, Rob Lowe, the Breakers Centre.
0: Yeah, the big man. Uh, the big question around him first up, though, is he sprained his ankle in their first up game against Melbourne United, so his... His time was limited on the court, so first up, I ask Rob. How are you feeling? How is that ankle?
11: Yeah, it's, it's a little swollen still, but it's uh, it's tracked pretty well. You know, rolled um, up a little bit on the flight, but um, it's under
0: control, and hopefully, I'm I'm good to go uh, Friday. Have you been able to have any court time since coming back?
11: Uh, we actually have a, a session here in a, uh, a little bit, and it, it, hopefully, it'll be good, and we'll get a good scout in and and, uh, and prepare for the Jack Jumpers.
0: Nice. So, uh, of course, Melbourne United on there too, if that's a pretty tough ask to start the season. Uh, but the breakers did force overtime in that narrow loss and some encouraging signs out there for the fans. What did you take away from that game?
11: Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the way we played, you know, we played, um, we left it all out on the floor and, and, you know, we want, we wanted it more on the night, but, uh, unfortunately it didn't, didn't come out that way. Um, obviously pretty disappointed that we lost, but, um, Really really ha- happy with the signs going forward and, and you know, it's gonna be a fun season.
0: Do you feel like even though it's one game in, do you think the breakers are already improving upon what we saw out of the preseason blitz?
11: Yeah, I think uh definitely in in the preseason, you know, it's preseason, it's time to learn and, and grow as a team and you know, I think we uh we, we definitely took strides while we were over in Darwin and, and you know, we had a good week of practice coming back before the Melbourne game, so you know, it's just looking up, and every every day you want to be improving. So, come playoffs time, uh, you're putting your best foot forward.
0: Now uh, you're you're back in Auckland now, training at the familiar home base. There, what's what's the vibe like uh, around the guys as you get ready for Friday night?
11: Oh, it was just excitement. Um, you know, there's a few of us on the team that haven't you know haven't played at home in Spark Arena for three years now, and it's you know I'm. I'm chomping at the bit to get going and, and you know I feel I, I my teammates definitely are and you know the, the boys that haven't been here before they're excited you know they've heard a lot about how great the fans are and, and you know the, the energy in the building um game time so we're all just really excited um you know we've got a, a job to do and that's, that's prepare for the jack jumpers but um one thing's for sure we won't we won't we won't lack excitement coming into the game
0: I love that. Uh, of course, you know there is some disappointment, I guess, around you know Tom McRobbie not being available due to you know his unfortunate eye injury. Uh, how, how's Tom doing this week?
11: Uh, I haven't actually seen Tom um, since we got back from Melbourne, but um, you know he's 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 good. Um, you know he's he's tracking along as as, as Tom would you expect from Tom. Um, you know he's Benjamin Button; he looks like he gets younger every year. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hopefully we'll have him back on the court soon, but he's he's ever present in the locker room and always being loud and vocal and you know um, helping us helping us on. Uh,
0: one thing I noticed with the the game against Melbourne, guys, you I know you pride yourself on rebounding and being tough on defense, but then on the other other side of things, three point shooting potentially a little bit lacking there. Is that something that you guys have been looking to address this week?
11: Oh, not necessarily. You know, uh, shots come and go. It's 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 how you play on defense that really wins. Wins games, um, you know we we did a, a decent job on that. You know there's always slippages and and what have you, but it's basketball and and you know it's not a perfect game, and that's why we love it. Um, you know we've we've we're, we're going to have a few good film sessions with, between now and the game, and and Modi's um, going to put in a great system for us and, and prepare us for the game as best as he can. So it's all nice shot on the night.
0: With facing uh, the Jack Jumpers, you know they've already played twice already. They're going to be hungry. For a win as well, having lost both those games, where do you think the challenge is going to lie with them?
11: Yeah, the, you know the Jack Jumpers showed last year that they um, they they're going to fight with everyone. You know they're, they're a scrappy team and, and they're going to do their best to you know get under our skin and, and you know play physical defense and, and be physical on offense as well. So we've got to match that intensity and and uh, and show we can be uh, even more physical, I guess.
0: What about Agent Ninety Seven? What kind of reception do you think uh, Jared Weeks will get there uh, at Spark Arena now that he's a Jack jumper?
11: Oh, I, I hope uh, a good reception. No, he's a, a fantastic teammate back when he was with the Breakers. Um, but once the reception calls off, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely guard him because we know him really well. And, and you know, our fans hopefully give him a few boos here and there. But he's a great guy. But um, you know, we want to we want to come out on the night and, and win.
0: Of course, elsewhere in the league. The Adelaide 36ers seem to have blown everyone in the basketball world away uh, with their win against the Phoenix Suns. What do you reckon that does to put a spotlight on the on the ANBL?
11: Oh, you know, it's, it's huge for the ANBL um, just to show that there's, there's quality basketball um, down in Australia and New Zealand. It's, it's awesome. Um, you know, those those Adelaide guys will be fizzing, you know, and um, good on them for it. Uh, but come around and, and it's a different game down here and and hopefully uh, we get the better of them during the season and show that we're we're just as good
0: Love it, now you know there's been some concern around uh, you know the New Zealand teams that play in the Aussie comps losing their identity while being based across the ditch for so long during the pandemic, now that you're all back here uh, and I know it's early days yet but are the players getting a sense of who they're playing for as the New Zealand breakers?
11: Yeah definitely uh, you know we, we talk a lot um, in preseason, about it, um, we definitely lost our, our sense of identity while we were over there, and and not having the fans um, have our backs is tough for any sports team. You know, even just uh, walking down the street and someone noticing you and saying "Good job, love and night" or "Hard luck" or, or whatever really gets you through um, through the tough times and and propels you onto onto the onto the good times. So, um, you know, I think I think the new guys will definitely. Realize how great our fans are on uh, Friday night when we play the jack jumpers,
0: speaking of the new guys, the imports that have come in this year, uh you know Derek Pardon Bobby Brown jr. Gerald Brantley, and of course the next star uh, Ryan repair, how are they settling into life as a breaker
11: oh I think they're they're doing great you know they're they're all about it they've come come ready to work and and they've been working since since they got here um, I think they're really enjoying the culture that we have in new zealand and the and the um I mean, the weather's not great right now, but um, hopefully they'll enjoy the weather um, once the once the season really rolls around.
0: Cool. Uh, now you yourself, Rob, you've enjoyed you you enjoyed a great season with the Auckland Tuatara in the NBL and you know it's been a joy to watch you. I guess, kind of rediscover your game in a way. What have you learned about Rob Lowe, the baller, in the past six months or so?
11: Oh, I think uh, playing for the Tuatara was really good for me. Um, you know, coming off you know the last two seasons with the Breakers where um, you know, it wasn't what I wanted, and, and well, it wasn't what I pride myself on as a basketball player. So to get back to kind of who I was as a as a, a basketballer was huge. Um, you know, getting to play with some, some great young players that that have come up through Auckland and and you know, kind of reinvigorate my uh, my basketball mind has has been awesome. You know, and thanks for Aaron Young and the Tuatara for letting that happen. Um, but it's it's just propelled me and got me ready for the,
0: uh, breaker season. So we're speaking with Rob Lowe from the New Zealand breakers. Now, Rob, the matchup between you and Sam Timmins was always massive, especially during the NZNBL finals. But now you're on the same side. What's Sam like as a teammate?
11: Oh, he's pretty horrible to be honest. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I, he's, he's an awesome bloke. Um, you know, one of the better teammates I've had in, in my time. Um, you know, he's a big unit and I hate going against him in practice because he's got some big elbows, but, um, you know he's a, he's a great teammate.
0: And you're talking about the imports before. How much you enjoy him playing in front uh, with a guy like who like Derek Pardon, who just plays so intense out there.
11: Oh, he's he's awesome. You know some of the highlights he's already showed in the in the preseason is just the beginning. You know he he shows out every day in practice, and you know um, getting the match up with him every day in practice is just making myself better and my teammates better. You know he's a quality um, person and quality player.
0: Awesome. Well, I mean, it, it, it seems like the Breakers front office have done a pretty good job scouting their imports. Now, looking at, at on the coaching side of things, uh, Modi Maor, you know, he's been part of the, the situation there since 2019, coming in uh, as Dan Shamir's assistant. Head coach now, though, how's that transition been for the playing group?
11: Yeah, I think it's been great. Um, you know, Modi's done a great job um, communicating with us what he, what he wants and visions for the team. And, you know, that communication is, is, is key in a a team sport like us, um, you know, he's built he's built a great roster of great people that that all want to fight for the same thing, and that's winning the championships. But um, you know, his his off season's been definitely been busy, but he's done a great job with it. So, um, and he's continued to do it in, during preseason. Now, now starting the season. So.
0: I mean, we get yeah. to see we get to see Modi on TV. He's quite intense. He's quite animated. How? But for you as a player, how would you say uh, Modi's coaching style differs from Dan?
11: Oh, uh, you know, he's a he's a very energetic vocal person, but he um, he knows the game and he really knows how to get the best out of us. Um, you know, he communicates with us and and uh, lets us know what he needs and wants. And, and so, all that craziness that you see on the on the floor, you know, we kind of understand it, and we uh, we uh, we know what he wants, and 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 get the message. He gets the message through to us with it. So, um, you know, he, he's he's been a really positive shift. Um, from the last two years, and, and it's great to have to play under.
0: Awesome. Uh, just lastly, from me, Rob. Of course, the last season was a tough one for for the Breakers. Uh, what's the mindset going into this NBL 23 campaign for you?
11: Oh, you know, just get back to my playing, my uh, my the way I like to play basketball, and that's having fun and, and you know doing everything I can to help help the team win. Um, you know, so far it's it's I've I've, I've been coming in pretty pretty positive and, and doing pretty well after the off season so um, I'm looking to keep that form going and you know I'm excited to play in front of the home crowd on, on Friday and and you know it's going to be it's going to be a great experience
0: Awesome well I know uh, Breaking Nation no yeah. doubt is looking forward to it as well Roblo thanks so much for your time and good luck for the rest of the season
4: All good Thanks mate He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith on S C N Z
7: Big talk, big opinions, the panel.
3: Ten yeah,
5: yeah. twenty-five with Stephen McIver and for Smithy this morning time for the panel. Oh, what good we have today. From Warner Discovery, otherwise known as TV three, Andrew Gordian from Sky Sport Ross Carl. Morning, lads. Good day. Morning, Mac. Oh, well, you know the little that little chirp at the end was Gordy. Man, you're you how many coffees have copies if you had this morning, Gordy? Just the one, mate. Just the one. <laughs> Just happy to talk to you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> how many? And and how many mates can you finish into a sentence? And uh, let's get on with it. Uh, football fans coming back to Christchurch for the first time in 31 years, Gordy. This is nice. I mean, they haven't played in New Zealand what for? New Zealand the the, the football fans what four years is it against South Korea. So this will be a bit of fun.
12: Yeah, it's great to see, isn't it? Great to see. Great to see New Zealand football uh, going to these links because it's really important um, that we see, and I suppose you know that you allow the younger generation to see the heroes, Mm. uh, both male and female, uh, playing on the home stage. And, you know, let's not forget, and I know we've got a Women's Rugby World Cup that's about to get underway, but we've got an enormous FIFA Women's World Cup that's going to be hitting our shores next year. So I think it's really important that we see this team uh, playing in front of us uh, to build some momentum into that tournament. Um, So, yeah, fantastic, and and we need to see more of
5: it. Wouldn't that be nice, Ross, if it was the men as well uh, playing a lot more home fixtures?
8: Yeah, it is a difficult thing for them, isn't it? Because with so many of their top players playing overseas in leagues that aren't necessarily visible to New Zealanders, the stars in these two international teams for New Zealand are basically anonymous outside of the really big stars, aren't they? So it's so important for New Zealand football to start building some profile, especially with the World Cup next year, getting people to know these people, the household names within the Football Ferns team. And in fact, for the All Whites, that's important too because it is, for a team with a huge profile, the players within the team... Don't really
5: have it. Yeah, Gord's coming back to the Women's World Cup. The, the the white ferns. What what? I know we're early days, right? Early days, and and being at home, you you'd like to think there is some sort of home field advantage. But realistically, what are you expecting going forward? I know we're a little way out.
12: Oh look, the football ferns. I, I think for them, like if they are able to get out of their group stage, I think that would be a, an enormous success. I mean, they you know they haven't been. We can't say that they've been performing to their potential uh, in recent years. So I think, you know, they need to make the most of that home-ground advantage. Um, And the way to do that is to give them meaningful build-up matches, give them time together, and in particular time together playing on home soil. Um, Because if if you don't get that opportunity to gel, I mean, it's the key that for any international football team, isn't it? They're always crying out for more time together. So it's important that New Zealand football, uh, you know, realises that, listens to that. And, and gives them a, a, as much opportunity, I suppose, to have time together on the pitch before this World Cup. Coming back to your point, though, about the men as well, I know, you know, let's, let's be really clear here. It's important that the, the focus is on the, the football firms, on the on our senior women's team, especially over the next 12 months. Uh, you guys would have read the same stories as I did, the concerns that have been expressed oh. by the all-white team, uh, especially in the wake of the two test series against Australia. That team needs to be playing more as well, and I and I think it's a, you know really on New Zealand football. I know you can blame uh, you know COVID and things like that, but I think the All team had a fantastic opportunity to get to this year's World Cup in Qatar, um, and they got pretty close. Let, let's be honest, they got pretty close, and I and I think uh, Danny Hayes done a fantastic job with the team. I really can't help but feel like they've been almost ignored by New Zealand football in, in recent years. And, and I think that this all Whites team in particular, right across the board, I know there's some star names in there, obviously the likes of Chris Wood, obviously, is, is a leading light. But, you know, we've come along. this team's come a long way. And, and I think the the stock of male professional footballers that are coming out of this country has really improved over the last five to ten years. You know, the bulk of our squad is playing regularly in Europe now. And I think New Zealand football needs to realise that they, they're going to need to invest in this team if they want to see um, them reach their potential, which is g- achieving genuine results
3: on the world today.
5: Here, here, I'm still staggered. And I apologise for calling them the white ferns. There's too many ferns. Where they are the football ferns. Uh, but just just quickly, Ross, I'm staggered. If we're going On the back of what Gordia said, they haven't re-signed Danny Hay. I, I find that staggering.
8: I think everyone's a bit staggered by that. I don't know what's happening behind closed doors there because obviously the players are and Danny Hayes is too. So nothing. It, nothing
5: it, is happening, Ross. Yeah. He hasn't had any contact with the body in 12 weeks plus.
8: Yeah, I mean, well, that's I suppose that says it itself, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, that's unfortunate. Um You know, I wonder about the length of time that you give an international coach because it's not like a club coach. It's so hard to get players together and build formations and do all those kind of things, isn't it? I mean, I'm no football head, but it seems like the hardest coaching job in the world to be an international football coach because access to your players in a country like New Zealand and being able to bring them together regularly is just nigh on
5: impossible. Well, it's just money. It's as simple as that. All right, I know you are a footy head, as in rugby head. We'll take a wee break, lads. Have some news. Come back and start talking about RTS and the Black Ferns ahead of the Women's Rugby World
7: Cup. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. 10.32,
5: 1032, Andrew Gordy and Ross Carl joining me on the panel this morning. Uh, Roscoe, let's talk about the NPC and uh, the subject that I've had a number of texts in RTS named on the wing for Auckland. Is that is his best position? Should he be playing for the All Blacks? Give us your thoughts.
8: Look, I think that he needs to play 14, and the reason I say that is because his future in the All Black jersey is in 23. So he needs to build his utility value. He needs to be able to play 12, he needs to be able to play 14 and 11, he needs to be able to play 13 at a at a push. If he's going to make this All Black starting 23 come the next World Cup, it's not likely to be in the 12 jersey. If you look at the way that they're tending with their game plan, with having kicking options at 12, Way that they they use David Harvili and, and Geordie Barrett, I'm just not sure that that's necessarily the best use of Roger Tuivasa-Sheck. And if you're going to use his lightning footwork, give him a roving commission to make impact and beat players one on one, then maybe it is a bench role or a winger's role. So to get into that squad, he has to be versatile. And so playing on the wing right now is really key for him in Yeah,
5: Is that enough for him though? I mean, he's not the type of player that wants to be versatile. He's, he's not the type of injury that wants to be a bench player.
8: Yeah, I mean, that's true. But when you look at what's out there and how little he's played, especially over the last year because of injury, and then probably also because the All Blacks were so poor for the first month or so of this season's international season, really things have just played against him and he might not like it, but look, Sonny Bill Williams played his first World Cup off the bench and I'm sure you would have put him in the same category, wouldn't you? Mm. A person who wouldn't want to be doing that and mm. he did it. And he slowly made his way through to the point where, you know, he should have been a starting player at the twenty nineteen yeah, World Cup that, that's um, not, that's... but, you know, that's that's just the way it is. Um he is learning a game 12 is a pivotal position. It's really important now. They've gone away from bash-crash 12s. They've gone to more old-school, second-playmaker-style 12s. And Roger Tui-Barthashek can play first receiver well in rugby league, but he's yet to learn that position at an international level. We might see it against Japan. Who knows? But, um, look, I think at the moment, if he wants to be clever and make sure that he makes the World Cup squad, because there's no certainty for the World Cup squad, being able to play in the 23 jersey and having that versatility throughout the back line is key.
5: Yeah, I'm not convinced, Andrew. I'm not convinced he should even be there.
12: Yeah, look, I mean, Steve, I've got a lot of thoughts. I agree, actually, with a lot of what Ross has just said. Yep. Like, my, my personal feeling, and I'm very, very happy for Roger Tullivar to, to, over the coming months, prove me wrong on this. Yep. I don't feel like he's a midfielder. I don't feel like he's a 12 at all. I feel like he's a winger, and I feel like his future in rugby is as a winger. Definitely hear what Ross is saying about his, his future and perhaps his, his role, I suppose, going forward potentially in an all-black squad is as a number 23. But, Ross, the question I'd ask for you, because I, I, I think I'm probably hinting at what Mike's kind of feeling is on this, do you genuinely think that Ian Foster would select him as, as the 23? Because I just feel like there's other options out there that are, um, are better equipped and, have a, and are more ready, I suppose, for the rigors of international football and the importance of that role, being able to fill, like you say, whether it's a spot in the midfield, outside backs. I feel like there are other options within this all-black squad uh, that are more ready for that than Roger Toivar to What do you reckon?
8: I, I agree with you to a point, um, but I think because of the way that that backline looks at the moment, if you were to, say, have uh, Richie Moonger at 10 and... Let's face it, Bowdoin Barrett's likely playing a bit of 15 in the next little while. You've got Will Jordan, Geordie Barrett there, who could be at 12 and 14, who can slip into fullback or play on the wing. They've almost got a lot of bench options starting on the field, if you know what I mean. And so that yeah. gives you a little bit of room to then have an X-factor player on your bench who mm-hmm. maybe doesn't fit that same kind of coverage through the back three role, but you've already got them. On the field, to a degree. So I think that that is maybe how he's thinking.
5: I'm not. I'm not convinced that Roger Tuivasa-Shek is the X factor that Sonny Bill Williams was. Sonny Bill Williams was a genuine X factor player. I'm not convinced that Roger Tuivasa-Shek is. Am I? Am I? Am I blind there?
12: Oh look, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to answer that. <laughs> I, I, I would. I would agree, I would agree with you. Um, you know, Sonny Bill Williams is a. It's a he, was a, oh, no, what, he whatever, was a special, he was a special. He was a freak, he was a freak, mate. There's, there's no question about it. He was a freak, he was a once-in-a-generation in a player. He was unique in so many ways. Roger Toivarsic is exceptionally, exceptionally talented, but, but just like, I mean, Sonny Bill Williams couldn't do everything either. And I think Roger Toivarsic has, has incredible feet, he's got blistering speed, um, he's, he's shown all of these things during an outstanding, an outstanding hmm. rugby league career. But I just think, like Ross has alluded to, I think the skill set that's required to play at 12, I mean, even at NPC level, let alone international level, I I just don't think Roger is going to get up that quickly. And especially, like, Roger Tuivastashek hasn't been playing rugby, and now he's got the opportunity to play rugby for Auckland, and they're moving him away from 12. So I think this idea that he's going to continue his learning to be able to, to develop the skill set required to be a twelve, where is he gonna learn that? Because you can't learn it um what by watching. You know, you've got to do it.
5: And that's no fair play to all I think we'll leave that one alone because the the text line loves loves this one. one more thing, Steve? Oh, so, pa- just
8: just talk, just talking about the uh, sorry Steven, just talking about <laughs> the winger aspect because we're gonna see him at, in the midfield next year for the Blues. And the reason we're gonna see him in the midfield for the Blues next year is that Caleb Clark and Talaire are the two form wingers
12: um, in Super Rugby.
8: <laughs> and so when you look at that and you look at the other options at the Blues, he will be playing 12 for the Blues next year. So we're going to see more of him there.
5: All right. No, not nice nice balancing argument. Let's turn on to the NRL. and uh, Let me just let me just finish this argument by saying this. I don't think Roger Tui-Vasashek would be playing rugby if he had not been at the Warriors. If he had been in another club, he would still be playing rugby league. I'll let that one simmer and percolate with you. Uh, speaking of the Warriors, Josh Curran off-season. Looks like he's been involved and has been involved in an incident in Port Macquarie. The Integrity Unit's looking at it. Now New South Wales are looking at it. And Gordy, oh, surprise, surprise when it comes to post-season rugby league, right? Yeah, I mean, none of this is
12: surprising. It's a, I'm not Sort of saying none of it surprising in terms of Josh Curran specifically. I don't know the guy. Oh no, Curran, no, no, sorry, no! I'm not, so. talk, I'm
5: not. I'm not. Re- I'm not referencing the individual. I'm just referencing another headline.
12: That's right. Yeah, and and we come to expect this from rugby league, don't we? And and you know, and that seems to be no surprise. And look, it's a headache, obviously, for Cameron Georgia and the Warriors are looking to deal with this. Um, it sounds like it's, it was a pretty untidy. Uh, incident from, from everything we're reading from reports out of Australia. So it'll be, they'll be sweating, I'm sure, on the outcome of, well, one, the police investigation, but also the investigation from the NRL Integrity Unit as well. But this has been a, a bit of a talking point, hasn't it, I suppose, particularly in the wake of uh, the NRL grand final and, and the, the celebrations, I suppose, that we've also seen from, from the Panthers. I think all of this stuff, is, is, you can kind of loosely tie this together because it's all about behaviour and it's all about personality, isn't it? And uh, d there's been a lot of interesting comment, a lot of it from Paul Kent. You know, he obviously doesn't like um, you know, the Panthers players uh, you know, showing their personality and um what did he say, they're acting like sixteen year old boys. Um, do you know who I reckon will have a completely opposite view to Paul Kent on this? And that's Peter Volandes. because Peter Volandes gets it. He gets it that that all of this stuff, all of this stuff, whether it's whether it's an illustration of, of some, you know, questionable behaviour, you know, things the players are saying and doing. You know what it does? It creates a storyline. It creates a narrative. And it means that the next time the Panthers come up against the Eels, this is going to be talked about. And they're going to use it to stoke the fire, build rivalry, and that's what sells. Uh, it sells broadcast deals. It sells tickets. Peter Villandes gets that. And and honestly, I, I sometimes wish that more of our New Zealand athletes um, showed a bit more personality. Here, here. Um,
3: because... To would be welcome.
5: Here, here, And I'm with Ivan Cleary on this one. The boy's just having a bit of fun. There was nothing badly spoken about. I mean, there are a lot of sports, Ross Carl, that could uh, take a closer look at this and find some personality.
8: Yeah, look, I find it really interesting. I agree with um, Andrew to a degree. I wonder where the boundary is. You know, when you yep. start embracing things like that, where does it stop? And I think Peter Volandes is the kind of guy who's willing to ride that wave. You know, he's the kind of guy who's who's willing to take a risk and put things on the line and and for that state. But this is going to get worse and worse. Like it's going to be a different kind of conversation because when you look at this generation and the way that they are after likes and the way that they see the way that American um, people in pop culture talk and walk and act, they follow that and that they're mm-hmm. going to continue to push in that direction. So the, you know, the, the humility that is Kiwis we expect from our athletes, I suppose, to a certain degree, so they don't get pulled down by the great knocking machine, is something that's going to get further and further and further away. And people are going to have to get used to that and at some point, someone's going to cross the line big time.
5: It's a generation. And, it's a generational thing, though, Ross, right? You know, this whole idea of, yeah. as you say, about the – and I'm with you on the tall poppy. I think we're the worst tall poppies in the world. But I think it's a generational thing. You talk about the looking at American pop culture, and I'm so in tune with that when you're, when you're talking about that. But the one thing I do get with Velandis your argument about Volandes with Andrew, and, and this is the key. He knows one thing that sells the game, not just the product. It's about the fans. And the fans, some might not like it, but they love it love it
12: oh absolutely they do and um you know to to just touch on the point that you guys made i think the one thing that the also recognizes is he he i think he understands the generational thing and he understands how how important it is to to appeal to a younger generation because they're the ones that are going to grow up and they're going to be the ones that you know buy the tickets, buy the subscriptions etc etc so you know, he's um I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but geez, as far as um, you know, sporting administrators go, um I think both well, you know, you look at the track record not only with rugby league but with racing in New South Wales. I mean that's a whole different argument, or a different discussion, but man, he has completely shaken up the horse racing scene over in Australia as well and you know, certainly upset a lot of the traditional yeah. shall you say, um, in and, and racing Victoria as well. So he,
5: he, he's a smart operator. OK, just, just quickly, lads. Uh, I found out today that Leeds versus the Kiwis was on Sky Sport Next, the Sky Sport Next program on Sunday morning. It's at 6 o'clock in the morning game. Uh, and it's a nice tribute to uh, Thomas Lulawai. Thomas Lulawai is going to play, going to skip with the team in his final, final game before he takes over an assistant coaching role uh, for Wigan. Uh, ni- nice thought, right, Ross?
8: Amazing thought, what a great gesture um, I know that they've, they've got a few injuries and things that They probably need to fill But Tommy Lulawai, 20 years into his career um, Stephen, I'm just trying to think back I can't even remember when it was When he made his debut for the Kiwis Against Australia and Albany, right? And they picked up a win in that test match And oh, that was, the, was, that the, was that
5: the 97 match When we, we beat up on the Aussies at Albany? Jeez, it was a long time ago Hey, hey, settle down, <laughs> settle down you,
8: you know, Aye, know aye, aye, aye in the guy. background Still going yeah. Still going.
5: You yeah, know, and, 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 and it's, it's a marvelous thing, though. I'm, I'm running out of time, boys. But hey, just quickly, Gord's. Uh, it's, you know, sometimes people do things right.
12: Yeah, that's right. Are you still referring to rugby league here? And, yeah, and,
5: yeah, and yeah. yeah. I'm talking the about the news. Light. I oh, am talking. Okay. Yeah, I am referring to rugby league. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> but some sometimes they do. it. You know what? I've I'm, I'm, I've had enough of you two. It's always, but it's always a, yeah, it's yeah. Always a pleasure because I know you guys always have your finger on the pulse. Make sure you watch the uh, Buck Shelford special on 8:30 tonight on Sky Sport One, lads. All right, I'll leave you at that. All right, 10:44, Ross Carl and Andrew Gordy here on S C N Z Mornings.
4: Summer or all winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, Pacing for Purpose, Season
5: 2. Yes, you can live the dream, get involved in harness racing today, New Zealand Harness Racing. Visit hrnz.co.nz. Now, our pick for Women's Refuge, this is our harness racing pick, is racing at Alexandra Park at Friday at 9 o'clock, Race 8. Number nine, I love this, Bolt for Brilliance. Bolt for Brilliance. Absolute class act. who's been trialling well and should be too good. Wow, red hot. Race eight, number nine, Alexandra Park tomorrow night. And you can join Mick and Greg every Sunday from midday for coverage of all the harness racing from across New Zealand. And Sundays at 11am, Trots Talk, all thanks to the great New Zealanders at Harness Racing NZ. 10.56 10.56 in the morning, and it's time for a TAB Odds Update. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Uh, Paul Mawati joins us. Hey, buddy.
10: G'day, Stephen. How are you?
5: Yeah, I- I'm good, thanks. Uh, did- were you surprised at that grand final win uh, the pl- uh, last Sunday?
10: No, not at all. Um, Penrith have been pretty much the best team uh, throughout the whole season, and, and they've had to play without a number of key players as well. Cleary's been out Uh, Luai's been out, To'o was out uh, towards the beginning of the season but they were just um, too good and um, if we look at the lower grades and all their wins there the club looks in very, very good health for the next five or six years to come It
5: sounds very busy behind you, have you got a busy day today?
10: Oh it's crazy here, I can tell you that right now Stephen Uh, the bookies are working away on a number of different things um, and I'm just having a look at a couple of the boosted odds markets that they've got open at the moment. And one of them you'll be really interested in. Uh, it's on the Bathurst 1000. They've boosted Shane Van Gisbergen mm-hmm. and Garth Tander from $4 out to $5 to win the Bathurst. Oh, that's uh, silly money. Oh,
5: that's silly money. Well, it's in the sense, it's great, OK, as an odd, right, as a boosted odd, because they go on as yeah. red-hot favourites. But as I said to Murph on Sky Speed this week, and I've said it to him before, Bathurst decides, the mountain decides, and with the wet weather they've got right now, and it's forecast to be wet for the race, it's going to be incredibly interesting to see how that one shakes down.
10: Well, is there someone further down the uh, list that you've got Cam- your eye on, Cameron in Waters of and James uh,
5: Cameron Waters and James Moffat and the Tickford racing Moffitt. car? Uh, well, yeah, uh, Cameron Waters obviously in the the. Uh, the Mustang—that's the Monster Mustang—that is the one you should keep an eye on, definitely. I think that is one of the one of the ones that uh, is what second for the last two occasions at Bathurst, uh, and but but you know what? Anything could happen. Anything. I mean, Murph's not giving himself a chance because he said, "quote I'll just be tooling around, and Richie Stanaway will be doing will be doing all the hard work, which he will because Murph is the co-driver. I mean, GT and. Uh, get the Giz are red hot favourites, red hot, but anything can happen. Anything. So well,
10: actually well, Richie Stanaway and Greg Murphy—they're twenty-one dollars at the moment to win basses <laughs> So oh. yeah, I, if there's one person who knows his uh, way around the mountain, uh, there it's Greg Murphy.
5: Oh, yes, he does. But he's he's, he's blooming nervous. What else have you got, buddy?
10: Uh, well, the women's rugby world mm. cup uh, starts here on Saturday with a triple hitter up there in Auckland. Uh, we've got all the markets open for those first-round games. Um, the French women are red-hot favourites against the South African women. Uh, the English, who are favourites to win the tournament, they're um, almost unbackable against the Fijians, and of course, our very own Blackburns. Uh, they're a dollar two to beat the
5: Aussies on Saturday night. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, I'm thinking that's just, why bother? But there must be something special inside that. Briefly, you've got about 20 seconds.
10: Uh, Well, I'm looking at the point start in that uh, Aussies, uh, the Aussies against the Kiwis, and it's 28.5. So Australia plus uh, 28.5, the Black Ferns minus 28.5. And I tell you, I looked this morning, there are only two bets on Australia plus 28.5 the punters are saying it's going to be an easy victory for the Black
5: alright Paul, gotta go, thanks always for your time, don't forget to watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz please gamble responsibly it's R18 coming your way after 11, it'll be try and stump it with me, you know, you know stump with Smithy, stump with Stephen and coming shortly we'll interview outgoing NZOC President Mike Stanley all this morning on a Thursday, October the 6th here on SENZ 104 on SENZ this Thursday morning nationwide around New Zealand and also in Australia. You can use the SEN or SNZ app. You can call on 0800 or text us on the Tampa Post text line. Well, a part of the furniture and the New Zealand Olympic Committee has finally called it time. Well, he's had three terms as the NZOC president. He's one of the good guys in the world of sport. And it's not often you can say one of the good guys. Mike Stanley has been the NZOC president since... 2009, 13 years. His term was supposed to expire last year, but because of the pandemic and getting things through with Commonwealth Games and the like, it was extended just for a wee while, and he joins us right now. Morning, Mike.
2: Kia ora, Stephen, and thank you for that very um, very nice introduction.
5: <laughs> well, you are one of the good guys, and not many people would realise that you're a double world champion in, in the big boat as well, and and that's something considering what the big boat did in Tokyo.
2: Oh, that's right. And that was a real thrill. Yes. And in fact, at this very moment, I'm driving through um, Rob Waddell's hometown of Piopio to have a um, reunion with those rowers of the 1980s.
5: Oh, my God. So two, two world champions, 82 and 83. What do you remember about being in a big boat and, and why you loved rowing so much?
2: Well, being in a big boat is exhilarating mm. because, you know, the speed is um, a lot in sport and, and it's the fastest thing uh, around on the water anyway with rowing propulsion, so that was great, but just the camaraderie and the, and the challenge of sort of, you know, getting all the things right and, and putting it together uh, on the day and, and, you know, two world championships coming out of it, so it was... Um, it was just a wonderful experience of a, you know, purely volunteer days. The risk was all ours and the reward was, I guess, as well. Um, but uh, it, it really, uh, it, it made, uh, well, it changed my life, it really. If I look at the course of the rest of my life, I wouldn't be talking to you now if that hadn't happened.
5: Yeah. Did you think you were always destined to have a world of sport in your life?
2: No, I didn't really seek it. I um You know, I was uh, a teacher, trained as a teacher, and we'd taught at Long Bay College and Westlake Boys High School, and um, it was really quite by accident when the uh, sport management sort of started to get professionalised in New Zealand that I held my hand up to um, be the uh, first chief executive of New Zealand rowing and and somewhat to my surprise got, got selected for it, and it's gone on from there.
5: Where do you think rowing has grown or not in the last, in your tenure over in, as NZC OC president, where do you think it's gone? Has it gone in a the right trajectory, or could it, go, or could it go further?
2: Uh, no. Well, you look at sort of um, the success of rowing. Uh, you know, I mentioned Rob Bell earlier. Mm. He was a, a, a gold medalist, obviously, in two thousand, and and. Um, we had to wait until um, we had had success at Beijing. But if you look at a build uh, right the way through, I guess Tokyo was a very, very high point when uh, we saw those three medals on the final day and a total of uh, of five, if I get my recollection right. And that was an amazing performance. And to have both men's and women's aid standing on the dais in Tokyo, uh, followed by Emma Twig, that was truly something very, very special. So it's been a really professionally well-run organisation. Um, you know, there are always ups and downs um, and uh, there's some challenges uh, in front of them, I, I know, at the moment. But um, that was truly remarkable performance in Tokyo.
5: I'm happy you said challenges because in the world that we live in now, you know, there's a lot of focus on professional sport, it being completely professional. Can rowing survive?
2: Oh, very definitely. Um, You know, obviously sports like rowing and and many others, um, their prominence is driven by the Olympic program and on the back of that world championship. So that's where you get your measurement of success.
8: But if you look below that,
2: um, what drives that success, obviously, is people participating at community level and particularly at schools. And rowing is in very strong space in the schools, and that's where the majority of our rowers now now come from. Um, You know, there are many of them now who... Uh, 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 taking advantage of u s scholarships and things, so there 's a challenge there to keep their interest in the black singlet
5: yeah it 's interesting. I was at St Peter 's the other day who were, who were raising money for a big boat uh, for the young boy 's big boat and, and and I was thinking about it and, and how a lot of mums and dads nowadays don't they want to protect their children they don 't want them in hard contact sports. Do you feel that this is where rowing can jump in and say, "Hey, have you thought about this?" Despite the enormous commitment required.
2: Oh, look! I think there's a real opportunity. You know, there's a lot of talk, you know, in, in our uh, society, you know, about resilience and um, those sorts of things. Well, if there's a sport that is going to build that in people, real resilience, not you know stuff you read on the back of a weekpack packet, um, then it's then it's a sport like rowing, and uh, it's a it's a wonderful challenge and. The young uh, men and women that I've coached over the years um, generally end up the firmest of lifelong friends through it so it's got a lot to offer.
5: Yeah I love that word resilience because I know a lot of rowers and and what they go through and if if a mum and dad wants their child to grow resilience it is the toughest and most brutal of sports because particularly at that elite level I always were you always are you, were you always happy when you, you knew that uh if you, and I know this is this is probably maybe past the when you were rowing is that if you were if you were good one day it didn't matter if you weren't good the next day you wouldn't be selected.
2: Yes, it, it had very much a black and white view to it and I both benefited <laughs> and missed out from from exactly that view. And, you know, you you either choose to pick yourself up and get on with it when you have one of those disappointing moments um, or you don't and you won't get the chance again. So it, it, it's very clear cut.
5: When you were inducted into Sports Hall of Fame, what did that mean to you?
2: Oh, well, that was a, a huge accolade, um, you know, from from New Zealand, really, for, for the performance of that at 1982 8. Um, and, and that was, um, you know, that's there because New Zealand had a little bit of a hiatus in the 8s for a while, and, and it was quite a special performance, so... To be honoured with my you know crew colleagues was uh, you know was really quite something. Uh, we all think that was very special.
5: You know what I've I've always wondered, and you're going to laugh at this because you've been doing the job for 13 years. What does the NZOC president do? What is what is the MO? What's the mandate?
2: Right. Well, um, so uh, the president sort of has a. a Um, sort of a a nominal title to it but it actually is quite a a, a, not a hands-on job but very involved in the organisation there's the international piece so we're members of various organisations and forums for Olympic sports which uh, I attend with the Secretary General or CEO and we give New Zealand's voice uh, to the various matters being discussed there um, and then uh, domestically, it's chairing the New Zealand um, Olympic Committee board mm. and being involved in their subcommittees, and 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 reasonably and in, intensively informed of particularly the games teams campaigns and and how they're being put together. So um, I've been very fortunate to have a very um, a helpful employer, in AUT Millennium, very, very supportive, and, and they've allowed me to you know commit quite a bit of my time to being involved uh, with um, uh, Barry Maester, Kerry, uh, Karen Smith, and uh, now Nikki Nickel uh, as CEOs, but also um, with, with their staff as well. So it's been a really enriching, rewarding uh, time of my life.
5: What have been the challenges for you in the last 13 years, though, Mike?
2: The well, challenge that, um, that you know, if you look at the uh, where New Zealand was sort of in the early 2000s was to, was to get, you know, teams, our, our athletes um, onto the start line in really good shape. So that's been done through a, a big investment from successive governments, uh, creation of high performance sport New Zealand and our very, very strong relationship with them and making sure that when the athletes come into our teams, they um, are welcomed, they are solidified in their, um, in, in their one-team um, view of it, and they're given the very, very best opportunity to perform on the day. So that's getting that whole games team environment right. But if you look at wider across the organisation, resourcing is always a big issue. So you know, we have to have a significant um, commercial um Program in order to be able to help uh, fund our games teams and our organisation, and then one of the things that I'm very proud of is, is um, the way that we have uh, embraced the full New Zealand Fokapapa and uh, and tikanga, and and just how strongly that resonates uh, through our teams and our organisation.
5: Have you felt at times, particularly from a government level, that you've had to be a salesman for sport?
2: Um, yes and no. I think the best salespeople for sport are our athletes, and I just want to salute them for the way that they represent us on and off the field of play. There are some remarkable people amongst there, and we're going to see some of them on the sports uh, on the rugby rugby fields uh, in the next few weeks, um, showing just what fine people they are uh so i think they are our best salespeople, and, and we have a great ambassador program that goes out into schools and talks to the kids about sport yes at times you know there is the sort of um inspection of sport and whether it's doing the right things and the conversations around uh is it developing people in the right way and the right attitudes and the right behaviors and then is sport actually being responsible to the athletes in the way um they are allowing them to participate in, in the conversation around sport and, and what sport should look like today and the issues that face them. So they are the sorts of things that um, doesn't quite answer your question, Stephen, but <laughs> that run through my mind.
5: What do you think is the biggest issue facing Olympic sport at the moment? Well,
2: you know, the Olympic... Um, Olympics are a a, a juggernaut, they are a a huge event, massively complex to organise, very expensive uh, and up until recently, there seemed to be a dwindling uh, number of uh, cities that yeah. were willing to take them on because of that. But um, that's that, uh, that's actually becoming clearer, I think. Um, so that's one issue that probably uh, is is taken care of. I think it it is the, the the value you know proposition of highly competitive, high performance sport, and and just it's. Um, it's development of athletes and the allowing of the athlete voice. And the other one that's niggling away in there, of course, is the, is the whole um, ethical issues around... Uh, um, doping and also around sports betting; those two things uh, uh, need to be constantly watched.
5: Yes, and not not a lot changes really. Uh, I, I would you've said that the Olympic movement is a juggernaut. Can you give it put it into context when you go to these Olympic conferences and all the delegates are there together? How large are these conferences? I mean, what's involved?
2: Well, there's 205 Olympic nations, as I understand it. So they are able to send at least two representatives. Some of them send more than that, of course, because they have, um, you know, pretty significant organisations that have uh, in- international relations directors and all that sort of thing. Um, and they last generally for several days. Um, they have some workshopping of, them of key issues that. Um, the IOC, or in our case, we also engage with Oceania National Olympic Committees, um, and we talk about those issues. And of course, they have the, the procedural things of annual meetings and, and those sorts of things to to you know make decisions around office holders and um, finances and and all those sort of mundane things. So um, you know, they, they if I'm critical of them, they can be a, a little bit of a <laughs> talk fest and people popping up their manifestos. But um, they are an opportunity for the Olympic family to get together and to have some you know, good discussions around some key topics.
5: Do you, do you think New Zealanders and the world underestimate the power of the Olympic movement?
2: No, I don't think so. I think that, you know... We see the viewing figures and things. New Zealanders get hugely engaged with the Olympic Games, and by the way, they do with the Commonwealth Games as well, which is which is a is also within our mandate, and that that's actually for a, an organisation our size that's actually quite. Um, rare in the world of sport. Usually, they are quite separate organisations, like they are in Australia. But we 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 bridge cro- across both of them, which presents its own challenges. Um, now, I, I you know I think once the games run on, people realise just how big it is and just how hard it is uh, to be successful in that sort of arena. Probably between times, I think they miss. Um, it's it's easy to sort of uh, not understand uh, their mandate. You know, we have these issues like. Doping, and we currently have got this Russian issue, um, and uh, the president is is very keen to remind us all that you know the Olympics is about um, getting people to get together, uniting through sport, and to help make a peaceful world. We do it through having athletes of all different um, views and ideas and nationalities come together to compete against each other and to understand each other a little better through it.
5: Yeah, you know, I, I love that line. United through sport. Thirteen years. What's your best memory?
2: Well, there's so many of them. <laughs> there, there must
5: there must be one that stands out, and if it's a rowing one, I completely understand.
2: Yeah. yeah well, I'm probably def- I'll default to um, that day in Tokyo when we won three uh, three medals two two and two and eights, gold and a uh, silver, and and the and the gold to Emma. Um, and staying with rowing that totally improbable win of uh, Nathan Cohen and Joe Sullivan in London oh, yeah. uh, where they looked yeah. to be out the back door and came roaring back and actually won by clear water. I haven't seen anything quite like that before.
5: Some of these guys and gals have big engines in, in, in those boats. If there is one individual, one individual, and it doesn't have to be a New Zealander, that has, has stood for you as a beacon of the Olympic movement, who would that be?
2: That is a really tricky question.
5: <laughs> it does. Okay, so if it's if it's if it's one, it could be two. I mean, you know, there are there are athletes of generations, Mike, and you go, yep, I understand that completely. Is there any one or any few athletes that you've gone? They totally symbolise what the Olympic movement's about.
2: Well, I think um, you know Usain Bolt probably in 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 some respect because he's. Um, was just such a superstar and was also so likable. We hosted him at AUT Millennium. I still have a seat with Usain on the back of it because he had to have his own seat, but he wasn't like that at all. He was exactly like someone who'd grown up in, you know, or he grew up in a Commonwealth country, so he knew cricket and he played cricket and he talked the same language as we did. And he had, the, you know, this wonderful sprinter from Jamaica. So he was a, um, the, the memory of him, does stay in my mind but I, I also I think domestically and um, you know, I've mentioned Barry Maester and, and Karen Smith as long-term CEOs for New Zealand Co- Committee and I, I relied on them as well a lot in, in order to be able to uh, do my job and, and we formed a, a great team.
5: Well, Mike, I know from my experiences working with you, uh, you are one of the good guys. I know I used that in my introduction to you. And I know that they're now going to have to split the role because the job is so great. But I will just simply say this. Thank you. Thank you for being a leader in in, in this particular field, but also for just doing your job with humility and, and grace and just being a good bugger.
2: Well, thank you, Stephen. if I, could, I can just sort of finish with, I just want to um, salute our wonderful athletes and, and um, what they do on and off the field and also to the New Zealand um, uh, Olympic Committee team, the board and, and that group of people who have been wonderful to be a part of a team with.
5: Go and enjoy that reunion, mate. Okay. Cheers, Stephen. Thanks, Mike. Mike Stanley, double Olympic, uh, double world champion in the rowing eight in eighty two and eighty three, and, 83, and uh, now has done his time as the NZOC president, which uh, they are going to have to now split into two different individuals. How about that? Uh, look, I just got a text in two, and I, I will give the supply. It comes from Hawkes Bay forward slash Going for Gold. They're celebrating their own two Olympic uh, gold medalists at Tokyo. Uh, five Olympic golds have come out of the Bay in thirty eight years. Their goal is to set up another one hundred up for another 146 years and make rowing available to more people in the Hawke's Bay community on the banks of the Clive River and why not so uh, congratulations to you, check it out Rowing.co.nz going for gold, it's 11.22 at once and I'll say it again, the Crusaders are my second team I promised you Cyclops is listening in Christchurch on
4: 12.60am Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ACNZ. 11.27,
5: that is exactly what Swinks is doing right now. He's shaking his big booty and doing it in the control room here on SENZ Mornings with Stephen McIver in for Smithy. We're not too far away from Stumped by Stephen, which is normally Stumped by Smithy, but don't get on the phone right now. You can shortly. Just a couple of texts on the Temper Bedpost techline line on double eight double three, and it's all about uh, RTS. (laughs) Oh, what? Yes, that that old chestnut. Actually, before I go there, can I just make one comment about uh, Mike, the outgoing president? Of the NZOC, and saying he's one of those guys and one of those CEOs that you want. They never draw attention to themselves; they just get on and do the job. He was the NZOC president. He's also the CEO of uh, AUT Millennium. a lot of these CEOs nowadays want feel that they need to be at the forefront and they need to be, you know, a personality themselves. No, they don't. They just do the job, and you should just lead the organisation. I think that's one of one of his great qualities. Never sought the limelight, just went and did the job. On the Timber Bedpost text line, hey, Stephen, I uh, would call if I could. You can. But I uh, just on RTS, the only really successful convert's been SBW, if you add up his year in France. It was three years of full-time union, including three super seasons, before he really cracked the ABs. Now, I know RTS wants to play the World Cup, but someone in these League Boys management needs to recognise that two years is simply not enough. RTS will struggle to make next year's World Cup if there's no injury, but if he'd given himself another year or two, he would be a lot closer. He should being up he should be eyeing up 2027, not 2023. You'd be too old by then. Let's be blunt. He's 29 now, so figure that one out. I hope League converts in the future recognize the time it takes Uh, To do the job. Uh, This one says, yes to RTS. This is from Peter. He's not just any league player. To all the rugby people who haven't followed him, you just don't know how brilliant he is. Oh, we know how brilliant he is. Give him some AB game time. He is a match winner. Let's not do to him what Auckland did to Benji Marshall. Wow. Okay. And this one finally from Brian. I don't think RTS is good enough to be in the ABs, who's going to miss out of his pick? And I think that's a fair fair crack too. We've got plenty of midfielders when players come back from injury and plenty of wings. If you have any more thoughts, 0800 150811. Although right now you've got to ring 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Because time to be tried, be stumped by yours truly.
9: Ian Smith's had a good match here.
8: Stumped by Smithy.
5: Ian
9: Smith really is top class at his job.
5: Yes, it's that time, 11.32, and you get a chance to not be stumped by Smithy, but stumped by me. So it probably could be an easy day for you <laughs> uh, with that $50 TAB uh, bit coming up. This $50 TAB bit? Belcher, betting voucher? Yeah. yeah. swings. Yeah, that's how it works.
0: This, yeah, you're you meant to. Uh, I, I know it's been a while. I meant of to me defer to you, right? Yes, you meant to let me oh, hey, drive. Oh, hey, sorry.
5: Here. Oh, gosh. I didn't <laughs> all bo- That's all right, all mate. I mean- well, you were, there was silence, right? So I, I, I'm, I'm the host, so I'm just, you know, allowing that. To- <laughs> Gee whiz. All righty. Okay. So it's time to be stumped by someone, and here's the man who makes all the decisions and is such a bossy little... <laughs> anyway.
0: I dude, I had this whole thing going because this thing there says top class, and I was going to say, you know who's top class, picking up the phone at quarter to eight and rushing in here? I'll take it. Yeah.
5: <laughs> okay, sorry, man.
0: You're welcome, mate. Okay, no, I appreciate you, that you, you're go. here, Smithy. I hope you get uh, better soon too, mate. Uh, so, stumped by Stephen today, Stephen McIver. First up, we have Craig from Tauranga, my hometown. How you doing, mate? Good. How you doing? Yeah, good. I, I know you're, you're a very passionate man who loves to call into the station uh, and, you know, playing stumped and, and all sorts of things. How are you feeling today taking on McIver here?
1: Yeah, feeling, feeling okay. Um, let's see how it goes. Depends on the categories, of course.
5: Exactly. And, and by the way, Craig, I've got to be honest with you, I've had nothing to do with them, so you're probably in good state.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, 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 let's see. <laughs> I'll
0: see you. My main hey, name. If
1: you just, one, one quick thing. Um, I did hear you reading out a text just before about someone saying the only decent league convert was SBW, but Brad Dorm was pretty good. Um,
5: <laughs> uh, 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 yes, actually, that, that, is, that is a fair play, an incredible an incredible individual who mm. took, a, if you remember, turned down the All Blacks first time around uh, until he was ready. And then came back and yet yeah, no f- very good call, Craig. All right, settle down now.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> so these are the categories, courtesy of my main man Brian here, who looks after the phones here on SNZ Mornings, Craig. These are the topics for you to choose from. You got cricket, Major League Baseball, and tennis.
5: Please, oh, please crazy. take tennis just for the hell of it.
1: <laughs> no, I'm going to take cricket because Smithy's not here. Let's <laughs> go <laughs> to- cricket.
0: Love that strategy. Here we go. Good luck. Yeah, smart. it's a smart yeah. thing to do when the Doyen's not here. Yeah, right. All right, okay. first question for you, Craig. The White Ferns won the ODI Series versus the West Indies 2-1. 53 runs were the highest individual score for the Ferns over that three-game series. Who scored those runs? Wow.
1: So that's the most runs in in the whole series. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Who who was the top scorer? Uh,
1: let's go with Captain Divine.
0: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Now's your chance, McIver. Nah, would have a clue. There you go, Craig. There's you. There's your saving. <laughs> wouldn't have a clue. Okay, I'm not, I do not even play the button Because yeah you're, you're just going in on, on default I'm coming there coming in hot Yeah okay The answer I was looking for Was Lauren down The third match there
6: Okay
0: <laughs> So second question I know you're not across it uh, Clearly McIver We'll see how you go Craig <laughs> All good S- Settle down in the host seat there please Sorry Name the White Ferns player who notched up 50 T20 Internationals in that series.
2: Go with Susie Bates. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: Definitely not Susie Bates, McIver. Hmm... Pass. You, were, you were acting like you knew this for a second. I'm playing the game. I'm playing a <laughs> you... pass. Pass. Well, for the sake of the game, I'm going to play it. One
2: of the worst things <laughs> I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: I know she's young. Oh. This might surprise you. Melee Kerr. Ah, and you know what?
5: I was going to go, what's the name of the young girl? <laughs>
0: Yeah, okay. Ah, stunt. That, was this is sarcastic, stunt. that
5: was such a sarcastic laugh. <laughs> for you
0: bonkers. Okay. <laughs> so you know what that means, Craig. You're still in the hunt here for the $50 TAB bonus bet. Last question. You we'll might
12: to get one right. <laughs>
0: well, you know, you well, you might know, know I'm not, not going to get one, so. <laughs> so choosing cricket might have been the right play here, buddy. Uh, last question. Who do the White Ferns have up next at home in December?
1: Oh Uh actually I don't know. Um Let's go with Bangladesh. That's a couple of chips oh. down the wicket. Put it in the slot
4: and away it goes. I yeah.
1: I knew oh. the black kick at Bangladesh, so that was a bit of a bit of a wild guess.
0: You get you're getting the All golf right. you're getting the golf claps there from uh, McIver there. So uh, yeah, congrats, mate. That is the answer. They're playing three T20Is and three ODIs against Bangladesh. The women's team, of course. So. Congrats, you win, Macaya. You feeling it right there? No, I'm fine. I, I mean, you knew I was going to be total, total cack
5: at that one. Hey, Craig, you are you watching Bathurst, Pat Bathurst, this weekend? Oh, oh, absolutely.
1: Bathurst is must watch. Yeah, in fact, um, yeah, watching it this year on TV, and and looking at going for my first time next year. We're, we're just starting planning planning a trip over there next year, which would be great.
5: Yeah. Okay. So, so I've been a couple of times, and I, and I'll be blunt, not to dim dim it. You've got to do it once, right? You've got to do yep. it once. You've got to find the good spot to be to watch it. You basically got to find a spot where there's a big screen because otherwise you really don't get that sense of what Bathurst is all about. Because to be fair, the best way to watch it is on the telly. But if you, what you've got to do is go to the mountain and and just look at what people do up there. There have been people and they have huge that these huge um, you know uh, spots that they had for thirty years and they have f- generations of people. That have gone there, and so dad go or granddad went. Then the dad went. Then the son goes, and they have these huge blocks of wood, and they make fires. I've seen guys have water cylinders up there, uh, wood powered water cylinders up there. It's unbelievable. So if you do do it, make sure that you go to the mount, up the take the bus and go up the mountain and just have a wander around because it's an experience in itself. And when you see them come over the top through McPhelimie Park and stand right up, stand right up next to the the, uh, the uh, rails you will be staggered at how quick they really are going, that's the one thing you don't really get on the telly coming up over the mountain, it's frightening mate you will love it
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I hope it all works out so um, yeah like I said next year but yeah this year um, we parked up Sunday well, looking forward to, to Saturday with, with qualifying in the top 10 shootout, that's always a lot of fun and and then some days, you know, the wife and the kids leave me alone. It's my day, and park up in front of the TV, that's me for the day.
5: Who's, who's your who's your favourite? Is that an obvious one or not an obvious one?
1: Uh, it, always been any of the Kiwis, so I'm not big. I'm, I, I don't care about Ford or Holden. I don't have a, <gasps> I don't have a real affiliation to, to one or the other. I always just like watching the Kiwis, so when McLaughlin yeah. was driving, I always liked the battles with him versus... This is the giz. I hope Andre goes well. Um, yeah, me too. I, I really hope that that, um, that Stanaway, I mean, obviously everyone's a bit of a Murphy fan in this country, but but I'm really looking forward to see Richie um, drive again. I think the guy was a talent and I didn't like the way that it ended for him. So really looking forward just to see Richie back in the car again. So any of the Kiwis, you know. You, you um, know, you yeah.
5: want, and and, uh, and I don't know if you watch Speed with me and Merv, but that is the reason uh, Richie is in the car. They are actually, Peter Addison from Boost Mobile, uh, the whole idea of this this wild card is for hopefully a Richie to pick up a drive with a a decent team, a team that's not going to tool him around and is a a competitive team. So you, you I like your call on that one. Uh, we're all we're all watching that, and Murph's just going back. Well, he's not going back for fun because I know once he hops in the car, he'll be competitive. Be, but he no, but he knows it's been a long time since he's been in the car. Yeah. So he won't at fifty, he won't be as quick as, as he was when he was thirty. But uh, he's still a bit of a leg end anyway.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I think um, the thing with this year, I've, I've put money on GIZ because the, the TAD boosted is boosted his price, and, and him and Fander have got to be the favourites going in, but it's such a long race that anything can happen, and uh, yeah, let's let's wait and see, let's say, I mean, go the Giz, just because I've got money on them, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, let's wait and see what happens. They bo-
5: the the, the Tabby boosted that, by the way, the Giz, they boosted up to five bucks, if you didn't yeah. know that. All right, yeah, mate. that's
1: what I got it at, I took it because of the boosted price, <laughs> <so, yeah.
5: laughs> All right, congratulations, mate, you're a winner, winner, chicken dinner, thanks for playing, bud.
1: Thanks Stephen You're yeah, more
5: than welcome 11.42 uh, Chris just texted it on the Timber post X line That stumped was the equivalent of shouldering arms and being bowled two balls in a row Yeah that would be fair It's in the Wellington Blaze here in Wellington
4: on 7.11am Summer or winter he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand charity
5: run Yes, you can join us each week as we try to raise funds for our four New Zealand charities here on Mornings. It's Women's Refuge, so our all thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand. So our pick this week is at Invercargill tomorrow at four minutes past one. It's very precise, four minutes past one. It's race five, number eight. I'm just saying this slowly so you can write it down, okay? Particularly, for the likes of Brian and Swinks are a bit slow off the mark. Race five and number eight, Buster's brother, Buster's brother, is the choice by the morning team here for. Uh, raising money for Women's Refuge. Now you can tune into NZ SENZ every Sunday from midday for Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed, hosted by Mark Rosanowski and Dan Roberts. So don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed. It's eleven forty-eight. I don't know if you have read it or heard it, but the Kiwis have named their team and their warm-up match to play Leeds ahead of the Rugby League World Cup, which is on Spark Sport. But this particular match on Sunday morning at 6 a.m. is on Sky Sport Next, which is on their YouTube channel. That's the Sky Sport Next YouTube channel. Okay, it's the Kiwis against the Leeds Rhinos. And this is the farewell, official farewell for Thomas Lulawai, who will run out for the very last time after 20 years playing and the number seven jersey. And he is captaining the team, which I think is just a magnificent. Uh, show of respect for a guy that uh, one of the most quietly spoken and talented individuals that ever pulled on a rugby league jersey so at fullback it's Charnes Nickel Klockstad uh, Jordan Rapana on one wing in the centres, Peter Hickel and this young kid uh, from Canberra, Sebastian Chris and then a Ronaldo Mulitalo on the other wing now Kieran Foran starts at 6 that's right no, Sean Johnson selected then Thomas Littlewhite at 7 pretty handy front row when you think about it Jesse Bromwich Brandon Smith, and the big dog, Nelson Asofa solomona And in the back row, Kenny Bromwich, Brittany Nikora, and Isaac Liu. And the bench, Jerome Hughes, who will understandably start at seven with the big tests. Joseph Tarpane, who's had an amazing back end of the season and is turning to a premier, or if not already, a premier front rower. Dylan Watane-Zelezniak and Jeremy Marshall-King, and also Dean Fare. Remember Dean Fare. Yeah, very, very handy player now playing with Le Catalan. So that is at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning on Sky Sport Next on their YouTube channel. Nickel said Rapana, Hiku, Chris Mulitalo, Foren, Lulawai, Bromwich, Smith, Asofa Solomona, Bromwich, Nikora, Liu, and the bench Hughes, Tupany, Watnez Zelezniak, Marshall King, and Dean Fada. What Sunday game are you like watching that and then watching? It's going to be a very, very long day. It's 10 minutes to midday. Back in a moment, we'll get Staffy in to have a chat about what is going on. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to
8: improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So
4: we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.